Welcome to the Chris Podcast. For the 30th of December 2019, we have JD from Sales Director Central giving us the nuances of sales within a growing business. I hope you enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the Chris Podcast. Today, I'm joined by the founder of Sales Director Central, JD. Now, the topic we're going to be talking about today is really interesting from my perspective. And I was sort of just chatting with JD beforehand. It's something that no one's actually brought up to me in the 10, 11 years of WI. No one's really discussed this topic, and yet it's fundamental to the success of every business. And the topic I'm going to be talking about today is sales. That's just bizarre, isn't it? It's strange. I said when I was catching up with you, I'm like, do you know what? No one's ever come up to me and talked to me about this area as far as what are your clients doing in terms of the sales aspect, how are they leading it, how are they driving it, and so forth. It's amazing how everyone wants to talk about technology, right, everyone wants right. to talk about the building of it, everyone wants to talk about team, about leadership, about managing, but the actual thing which drives the results which are going to help companies raise future rounds or you know, let's, let's go something else, create profit, which would be amazing, right? Right, right. right. We, we talk no often, one discusses it. We talk often um, to founders around um, the different types of funding they can get. And there's a really cool type of funding where you don't have to pay anything back. It's called customers. They you still have to manage them, them, though. You, still, you, you have to manage them. Um, yeah, we, we spend a lot of time talking to people about not showing, no, not showing the baby. Forget yeah. about your baby. Forget about the thing yeah. that you did and start understanding the customer. But let's go. Let, let, I, w- I want to take this a step back. I found this really interesting from, so from my perspective. I've dealt with founders that are leading tech companies that will publicly say, or not, I shouldn't say public, they, they will offer up that they hate people. And you sit there and you're like, okay. And then my next question is, well, how many business development people do you have in your team? And the answer is, oh, I am the BD. Right. And so here in my brain, I'm thinking, how does that work? You hate people. You're the head of business development. You're the main BD. You're the main business development person. And you want to sell your solution. But let me add to that. I hate people and I hate sales. Oh, nice. Yes. Nice. Well, it's a I bit of a selling. dirty word, right? It like, is. No one, like it's a strange... At the end of the day, we're all salespeople. Right. It actually doesn't matter who you are. And that was the thing I got in my head right from day... At, at any stage, you are a salesperson, whether it be partners, whether it be relationships, whether it be advisors, whether it be... You are selling someone. You're selling something. You're selling... Even a teacher sells the ability... The Correct. Knowledge and the ability to teach. You know, bus drivers sell. Everyone sells every day. Yeah. But maybe I'm a little biased. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. I, it's, there's no bias to it. It's fact. Yeah. So for you, when you go and meet with companies, what is the first thing that you like to do when you actually sit down with a company? So, and I, I sort of think about this. I think about the founders that will listen to this uh, as a context or the investors that are listening to this and they've got right. investee companies. What's the first thing you like to sit down with and ask a company? When we're looking at um, businesses, we're, we're really interesting from a sales perspective at the framework of selling. So, okay, so you want to know what their process is. What is what's the, more than just the sales process, what's the framework? Do you have a methodology? What's the cadence in the business? How regularly do you meet? When do you talk about it? Is it just gut feel? So how, how what, do you what manage? Is, what does that mean? So like, are you saying, are you speaking to the, the CEO or are you speaking Speak, to the sales leader or what are you? Uh, probably both, normally the founder. Yep. And we're having a discussion around... Um, What's the framework around selling in your business? What does that look like? 
Is it just you go and talk to a prospect, do a proposal, and hopefully they're going to make a buying decision? Or is there some actual structure to it? Have you got a rigid process of figuring out whether they've actually got access to money? What is the approval process? Yep. What, what's, yep. that, what's that framework? If that makes sense, that, yeah, that framework around that look like? And what does it look like for, you know, I, I, I assume that when you're going to speak to a majority of, because I, I think you're pretty unique in the area, you're obviously targeting, you know, early stage growth companies. And I said, I haven't come across too many other people sort of, or anyone that sort of focused in that area. Like, what do you find is the common scenario when you walk into a company? So um, on the salesdirectorcentral.com website, we talk about the revenue pain chain. Yep. And the revenue pain chain is the the thing we started mentioned before. Build it, they will come. They've built it and they haven't come. So they've gone and hired a PR firm or maybe a marketing firm because yep. it's just more leads, right? More leads is all we need. They got the more leads. I just need to get PR. I That's just need, all to, get I need to do. Right, right. Yeah. I just need to tell everyone about it. Didn't work. Yeah. They've typically well, some people could say that that's obviously a marketing. That's probably more a marketing area than a than a sales area. But people think that marketing. Like right. I said, sometimes people find it hard to distinguish what difference between sales and marketing is, and there's a massive, massive if, difference. If the difference between putting ten in the top and not winning anything, and putting a hundred <laughs> in the top and not winning anything. Yeah, you, you, you're, you're still not winning. You're still not winning. The chances, <laughs> yeah. maybe there might be something that falls out of that. But we want to we want to get smart about how we use our time and, yeah. and effort in winning that stuff. So they've, they've done the PR thing. They've typically hired and fired a salesperson. And why did, do they clarify why they, that why they were fired? Uh, most, most technologists, if we can call the founders more yeah. technologists than not, um, most technologists have a really rigid process and framework for the technology. Mm. They've got a whole bunch of... But that's um, not overlaid into a sales But it's format. not from a sales perspective. Yeah. So they hire a sales per per person and leave them to fail. So they just leave them there. Three months later, where's the pipeline? Six months later, why haven't you got it? Bang, you're dead. And do you give them comparisons about the equivalence of what that scenario would look like if they did that to a tech, to a tech person or an engineer that they hired? Um, I'm not sure about equivalence. We're just more that the, without the structure and the process. Because then if you've done that twice, um, putting an ad on Seek is not going to find you an enterprise salesperson. Yeah. Right? I mean, Seek's a great platform, does a whole bunch of great, you know, finds people mm. jobs, but an enterprise salesperson predominantly is working for someone else, making their number. And what you want is someone who's made their number previously, has a history of doing that, to come and work with you, yep. which means you need to have the right support, the right process, the right framework yep. to give that the support and attention that it needs. Because otherwise, like I said, people are literally left in the corner and then three months later... Where's my pipeline? Where's my sales? Right. Why don't I have any sales? Mm. And, and why is it you keep telling me the product isn't good enough? Because one of the other things in the pain chain is they try and be all things to all people. Yep. So when they're not selling or if they haven't been successful as they wanted, they try and make the product do more and more because there's weaknesses in the product, yep. not weaknesses in the process or the framework of how they've sold. And, and I suppose an area we should touch on as well is the area of pricing because that's always right. a fascinating area for me is like how different companies come up with their, their, their different pricing points for different things. But so the actual, so let's go back. This, this word of framework, right? So I imagine you start working with a company and the first thing you want to do is you want to lay a foundation, in your words, a, a framework in yep. which they can sort of operate. At a high level, what does that, you know, what, what does that look like for, for the companies? So when, when we start with an organisation, we do what we call a blueprint. So we spend a day fundamentally over the course of the month looking at all the things they do, we say, from a cradle to grave perspective. Mm. So, pardon me. 
what does a sales meeting look like? Um, what do you talk about? What are the things you focus on, right? Because what you focus on, it, you can manage. Um, uh, we do a one-on-one -on -one with the salespeople. We go on a sales call with them and we just observe them with the customer. It's amazing how many salespeople get it when you're having a one-on-one -on -one and when you go to the customer, something happens. There's some lost in translation piece. Yeah. They understand it earlier, but they can't really drive it. We then look at the proposals, the presentation. So we look at the whole process yeah. and then come back and say, here are the things you're doing really well, here are the things we need help with, and here are things we're going to start implementing. And then we have what we call the six pillars of peak performing teams, yep. uh, which are called PAMIS, planning, accountability, methodology, indicators, cadence and execution. And we know that when we implement that with strong leadership, uh, underpinned by value rather than price, then we'll get an outcome. So now for, for founders that are, that are listening and they're thinking, oh, I don't really want to hear about sales or, you know, and said they, they might be thinking, should I keep on listening to this? I want to throw another little bit of incentive for a founder or at least whoever's listening to this to share it with other people because one of the things that we've been doing a lot more work on the education side with companies that we work with is actually the, the basically the capital raising itself right. is a sales it's and marketing sale. process. Absolutely. And if you're a company and you haven't quite mastered the art of sales, let's say, or you know, you're, 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 what you're looking to do requires a heavy investment on the technology side up front, you will be looking to raise capital. So in understanding and mastering this area, you effectively have got the opportunity to, to nail two important areas right. which are going to impact your wealth, right, as a founder, your team, and just just the overall potential of your business in that this process can be overlaid on the sale of your product, but as well as the sale of your business. Because right. your business is effectively a product. Yep. It's just you're a lot more passionate about it because it's your baby. And access to money, access to capital. Correct. Right? The, the, the whole process. One of the really interesting things with a number of organisations that we've done, probably the last 10 organisations, eight have suffered this fate. When you read the, the marketing material, whatever literature they have, mm. it's almost excuse-laden. It's almost, we're kind of doing this. This is a marketplace we're in. It's not from a perspective of dominance or this is what we're doing. We're here in this marketplace, we've done these things, we've achieved this. Um, and they also do things like uh, proof of concept or proof of value workshops. They want to prove it all the time. They keep wanting to prove that their baby does what mm. it says on the packet. Yeah. Um, and so there's this almost this um, frustration in them that they haven't got more. Yeah. And then they talk, they're talking down almost. Yeah. The, what they do have, rather than saying, "Hey, here's, here's well, the, what the it other is. part is sometimes like the, sometimes I've seen with founders where they 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 like giving stuff away for free, right? <laughs> like, you know, they so they're, they're very good at sharing what they're doing and say so you continuously improving and so forth. But at some stage, sales need to get made because right. you've got to pay for staff, you've got to pay for your overheads, you've got to pay for whatever's coming up with it. And the, the other interesting thing I find that when people go into a capital raise and sorry, sorry, uh, but. It's going to cost, right? There's going to be same right. with your sales and marketing. There's going to be an expense in the process before you get to the sales. But so when you're talking about generating leads, are there some? Can I just yeah, go, go back for a it. second. You talked about price for a second. I'm going to be a tiny bit contentious. Price is irrelevant to the sales process. Go for it. Let's go on it. So price is relevant. Okay. It's all so about so when you're educating companies about how they set their pricing point, how you how you, I suppose, I'm trying to think of the right word. 
how are you guiding right. them as to right. how they should think about it? Wouldn't it be cool if we had an environment or a world set up where the price wasn't allocated by a product marketing person or someone, it was actually determined by a fraction of the value you delivered? Hmm. So for us, it's all about the value. So value underp underpins PAMIS. So your first step is then trying to understand what is the value that can be derived from a company. How much is this thing costing you? How much is not and solving how, and, this And what you? questions are you asking to derive that? Um, so uh, tell me about the business problem. Yep. What is that costing you? Have you done any work to figure out what the cost of the business is of not solving that? Yep. So if you, here's a really important question. If you do nothing in the next 12 months, what is the impact on your business? Okay. And if, and if the answer is, um, if the answer is nothing, then there's no deal. If the answer is it's significant yep. and we need to drive something, create something, do something, I won't be able to achieve A, B or C, then you're in good place. Okay. And I, to me, that's got to be one of the most valuable processes for 100%. them because then they can sit down and go, actually, holy shit, this is the value that I can bring to a potential company in, in utilising the... Pro and the other thing I, I think they would find is when they learn that, when they learn that technique of understanding that value... What's really interesting when you deal at the coalface with customers is everyone likes to sell features, 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 right. but they forgetting about the benefit aspect and it, how that connects. Well, it's even more than that. So if you, get, if you talk about features and function, you get to price. Yeah. If you talk about business drivers and business value, you get to return on investment. Yeah, gotcha. So I'd rather be having, we structure people, forget about um, um, the $50 lunch. We've, I think I might have mentioned it to you when we met before. The $50 lunch. If I told you today lunch was $50, is that cheap or expensive? Based on what you would normally eat. Yeah. For most people, that's expensive. Yeah. If it's all you can eat and all you can drink for six hours at a restaurant, is that cheap or expensive? Right, for most people that's cheap. Yeah. If you're a, a, a vegan, no offence to vegans, if you're a vegan that doesn't drink alcohol, <laughs> right, it's probably expensive. It put, could be... It's funny, I, I, my thought was going in a different... It was like, who am I having lunch with? Right, well, <laughs> well that's, true. that's true as well, right? Value, yeah. A piece of value, right? Yeah. And your time's important. Um, the only thing that changes in those three paradigms is not value, it's actually the perception of value. Yeah, interesting. So how do we... Forget about how much your thing costs because it's irrelevant. Yeah. The question is, what is the problem they have? How do we value that? How do we put a cost to that? And then whatever our price, it should be a fraction of that price and it shouldn't be an issue. Now, I'm gonna go down another sort of slight area. So it's easy to understand a problem that somebody has. What if, what if you're seeing a problem that someone has that they're not quite aware of? Right. How do you look right. at that? How do you interject that? Which is pretty much what a lot of these companies are doing. They are selling you that you have a problem that you're not really quite aware of. Right. And, and that's a, you know, hey, we've got this thing and we solve it differently and people don't know they have it. Yeah. Right. There's um, a process that we have called education versus qualification. A lot of the people we do work with are educating the marketplace. Yeah. No one, this hasn't been done before. So here we are and here's our market and this is what we're doing. If you know you're educating someone, i.e. they actually don't either recognise or understand the problem they have and they can't qualify or quantify the business problem, then we're educating. And we need to go on an education cycle, not a sales cycle. Interesting. If we do break through, no matter what the thing is that you've done, no matter what the baby looks like, it solves a business problem. And are there any sort of fundamentals? And I'm actually asking this for, I'll give you a context. So. With me, obviously, this podcast is a Chris podcast, right? We launched right. Chris in June, July. And Great we real, platform. 
Love Thank it. you. Yeah. I, I realized that people didn't actually understand the challenge. Like what I've learned for me, if I was to sell Chris to somebody, I would actually wouldn't sell it on all the features. I would just be selling it. Here is what I understand now about my deal. Right. And here is how much time I've saved. Right. Those two factors alone are worth far more to me than everything else. And there's a third factor as well is the way I feel now. It's an elevation of confidence based on information and data. And effectively, that's what you want for your clients right. or you want companies going to a sales process where they've got an elevation of confidence about what is the out, what is the, what is going to be the input and then what is going to be the output you know, of, of a sale. So when they go on those education sprees, what are some fundamentals that you sort of advise companies to look at? So if you're going to educate someone, you would just go through a different process. You wouldn't do one or two or three demonstrations. You mm. wouldn't go through an elaborate proposal. Um, we, we often talk to clients about the never offer a proposal to a prospect, only ever give them one when they've asked you because otherwise you're providing with information too early. You're kind of over-educating in, yeah. the, in the process. And um, uh, I often tell a story of a, a client I had down in Melbourne who asked me for a proposal. I had a meeting with her and she said, can you come to my meeting on Wednesday, my sales meeting on Wednesday? And I said, thank you, uh, Maureen, I'd, I'd love to come to your meeting. And she said, um, can you send me a proposal? And I said, yeah, sure. Besides yourself, who's, who else is involved in the decision-making process? And she thought about it and she said, no one, just me. And I said, fantastic. What would you like me to write in the proposal? And she thought about it and she kind of got embarrassed and she said, I don't know. And I said, well, I get paid up front, so why don't I send you an invoice and we can go from there. The, the whole process of we need to show you the demo, we need to do this proposal, we need to you know, do all this yeah. stuff... Um, again, we, ch we try and challenge all that process. Yeah. So don't over-educate. Don't go through a process. Um, a lot of the clients we meet, at least a third of their pipeline is just people who are never going to make buying decisions. In fact, yeah. I'm going to ask you another question. What's the only thing we measure in sales? Well, results. Sales, right? Sales, yeah, no. results. I'm actually, the, 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 the best line I always learn is the only truth is a result. Right. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Um, I'm going to say the only thing we measure in sales is time. It's actually not sales. Okay. If you spend more time with people that have to make buying decisions, you're going to make your number. Yeah. If you're going to spend time with people who might like it and I want to convince them my thing is good, then the likelihood of making it is, is, is a little bit sketchier. Yeah. If you spend your time with people that like your stuff, and how many times have you had a conversation with someone, you think it's all good, they like it, they want a proposal, they want a price, and they're just not going to make a buying decision yep. because they just don't have either the priority in the business, there's not a business case they can validate, there's too many other factors, components that so are drive it. that I suppose brings up an important point is that yeah, you highlight that. If you're getting to that stage and effectively you haven't qualified correctly, right, right. and I think I've I have heard it on a I had heard it on a podcast and it sounded completely dumb to me where they said every human's a potential customer and I'm like not really the not really the scenario. Is there guidance that you give to companies about how they sort of qualify? Because I've always been a believer is you don't sell to someone that doesn't want some, something that you've right, got. Exactly. Right. That's really there's there is no value that you'll extract from that. You basically end up with an unhappy, disjointed, upset If they client. were to buy, right. If they were to right. buy, right? right? So hard sales is definitely not the... So how do you... What advice do you give to companies about how they sort of qualify for, for the right sort of customer or how they create that, I suppose, that impression of what the right customer is and then how they qualify for it? 
Um, it's a big question. Let me, let, me, <laughs> let me tackle it in a couple of ways. One of the things that we start often talking to clients about is what is your avatar? Who's your target market? Mm. How do you get crystal clear and deeply focused on exactly what that, who that person is in the organisation you want to approach? Because yep. too many times it's our, our focus is the insurance industry. And it just, it's too vague and, yeah, and nebulous. Correct. And who are you going to talk to? And it's a, a, a say and spray approach. So once you've got the avatar crystal clear for the people you want to go and talk to, the question is then, are you going to make a buying decision? So not am I going to go and do a sales cycle. Yeah. So we, we tell people to stop in CRM, stop tracking the sales cycle of where you're up to, start tracking the buying cycle. So if I can find lots of people who have to make a buying decision, I'm going to say it again, who have to make a buying decision, mm. I'm in good shape. As long as I can map out and understand their evaluation criteria and the processes they want to go through, then my pipeline's going to be a lot healthier than it is right now with people that I did a proposal for because I thought they might buy. And sometimes you notice in, when you're in the sort of sales environment, sometimes people like to say that they've got a pipeline just for, for warm right. fuzzies of convincing themselves, but it's basically BS. They're actually not real. So, the, yeah, the, so it's isolating what is BS and right. what is an actual real potential buying. There's a whole bunch of behaviours that we see in poor performing salespeople. Yeah. One of the really obvious ones is the pipeline is overinflated. Yeah. No, no matter who you are, if you're not performing well, your pipeline's the only thing you've got, hold, you've got control of, if you like, because yeah. you're not in control of too many other deals. So your pipeline is overinflated. So again, a lot of the poor performing salespeople we see just put an opportunity in the pipe because they spoke to me or they're interested or they want to have yeah, a meeting. Yeah, it's, rather it's than, vague. It's, it's vague. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then they run through the whole process with a gut feel of, hey, they liked it and they wanted to, you know, they told me that, that $1,000 wasn't enough, you know, was, was cheap. Oh, yeah. I'm in good shape. Yeah. And I, I suppose if you were to... Um, yeah, you know, we haven't talked about this, but if you were to hire sales, what do you look for in a, a let's call it a sales yeah, superstar that's or, a, that's a really you good know, a, a sort of star recruit? Yeah, we, we, we do it obviously a lot with our clients. Um, uh, I'm not looking for the blagger. I'm not looking for the guy who can talk lots. It's a, a popular misconception. I think the salesperson needs to be able to stand up and be this perceived extrovert and, you know, dominate a room and all that sort of stuff. I, 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 the real gun salespeople I know and, and have worked with are very good at asking insightful questions. So they're very good at the questions, asking a tough question at the right time. Interesting. Um, in fact, there's a behaviour. There's, there's, we often talk about the three levels of selling. There's opening a door, working a deal and closing a deal. Um, <laughs> pick two, because if you're good at opening the door, you're normally good at having nice, open, I'm going to say fluffier conversations. Yeah. Um, if you're good at closing, you're good at asking tougher, harder questions and you're not as heavily relationship-focused, potentially. But it's about adding value and understanding the business drivers. And that's a really good point, that adding value part. I find there's a fine line between adding value and making a, and, and, and making a sale. Right. You know, there's that. So I've seen, I've seen BDs where they add too much value to the point that, it's annoying. It, it, it's annoying. For, it's annoying for you as the owner because it doesn't become a sale. Right. But yet this other person's super happy, and you know there, there's no. And then the other part I've seen where there's this that fine balance of adding value and progressing the conversation forward. Right. Is there any tips that you give for companies that were, I suppose, not not just hiring star chairs, but then also in building their processes? What things should they really sort of focus on after the sort of focus on that that framework part? 
what things should they look for in, in the in, in that buying cycle? So there's a so start mapping the buying cycle to begin with. Yeah. So what does that look like for a customer? And early on in a sales cycle or in the buying cycle process, ask, ask them for an evaluation plan. So ask the salesperson to ask the prospect, tell me about all the steps that are going to happen between here and success or here and mm. when you achieve the outcome you want, not just when you're going to buy the thing. Um, so that's one thing. In sales meeting, in the next sales meeting you have, don't ask for the normal stuff that we see in every sales meeting, which is why we observe them. Don't ask for the amount, the company, and when they're going to buy. Just ask the salespeople to talk about their customer for as long as they can. Just talk about the customer. Simple as that. What is their market? Where are they at? Who is the, who, who's dominating in their space? What are they trying to do? Where are they trying to be? What, is that, what does that look like? How much do we really know about the customer and, versus how much do we really know about how, what we're selling the customer? Yeah. And the guns understand the customer. Yeah. The people who are alive. So the guns on, actually take the time to get more in-depth information about who they're actually dealing with. It's actually fun. Yeah, Steve, it is. It's a I lot agree. more fun. It's a lot more no, fun. But do, you, do you know what's actually... I, I found that the BDs that genuinely believe... How can I say it? That, that add value in their own way to the process are, tend to be the easiest one. tend to be the ones that will perform for the fact that they're conf they how can I put it? They've got confidence in themselves because of their own knowledge. And let's face it, we get more confident the better we get at something, right? Um, sorry, we get, yeah, our confidence grows as we get better at something because right, of the information, right, because we right. put in the hard work to understand something. But then it's a transference of confidence, really. It's a transference of energy. There's a um, uh, one of the best salespeople. I've been very lucky to work with a whole bunch of really good the guns in yeah. in, in the IT space. Um, and there's a guy that I did a little bit of work with. He was in a meeting with the CTO of Microsoft. Um, the CTO walks into the room, asks him because he worked at a competitor, asked him to leave the room. Um, and, and faced with that, I think 80% of people would just get up and potentially leave because it's a very powerful person that's mm. come in and done that. He said, yeah, but last year you wrote off $9 million worth of blah, 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 and if you don't do anything about it, you possibly are going to have the same problem in another 12 months. Um, so we just hit him with a business driver exactly where he's at. Pain. He walked away with an $18 million deal. Yeah, wow. Yeah. You actually brought up a really good point there. So this, I'm going to drill down on this part. In that situation, effectively has been back, be kicked out and literally highlighted a pain point. Right. Which turned the comment. Right. How do you assist? How do you assist companies understanding how to ask questions to, to understand that pain point? Because effectively, if you think about it, all sales is is a friction, pain, and right. then a solution right. to that friction and pain right. that you're looking to solve, right? At, at, a, at a base level, friction, pain, and the the, the question is, um, so you, you can actually have you can actually undercover the friction, the pain, and the business driver, and still not get a deal. Sure, because. Because every, every founder that I know, every CEO I've ever met in my entire life has a long list of things they want to solve and fix. And if it's not a <laughs> Well, that's their priority, job, right? They're right, fight, right. They're, they're, I always joke that a fight, the founder's job is part-time, uh, part part-time, or actually full-time, firefighting. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Where's the next fire? Yeah. Um, the problem, so, so part of the issue is finding the business driver. The next yeah. part of the, business, uh, the challenge is what is the priority for that 
right? You talked about selling to a board, mm. right? Where the, there's a business issue in the company. Everyone acknowledges the business issues in the company, but the CTO looks at it differently to the CEO, looks at it differently to the CRO. Everyone, yeah. Everyone's yeah. going to have a different view of what the priority for that particular problem is. And priorities bounce around all the time. Yeah. So, the second part of that is you can find the business pain you're in good shape because they should make a buying decision at some stage. Now it's a timing thing about priorities. So understand the priorities, understand the business drivers and, and drive more of that is in meetings. So again, in sales meetings, understand about, tell me about your best customer. So yeah. I have a client um, at a conference that I ran and we got everyone to stand up and talk about their customer for as long as they can. Everyone bought an account plan, but we didn't go through any of the account plans. I said, thank you, because a lot of people would have done the account plan for the first time. Yeah. But let's just talk about the customer for as long as I can. They stopped at three minutes. In six months' time, they st we stopped them at 15 minutes. So we made that a key driver in their business of just understand the customer more. Wow. Final area to sort of talk about, and I said we both talk about this, like could Forever. literally talk about yeah. this for yeah, because it's such an interesting topic. The biggest issue in sales is it's a mental game. Hundred percent. And you know whether it be star performers that then come off, they could perform for you know three months in a row, and then all of a sudden they disappear for three. What would you think would be, let's say, three to five things that you would give guidance on for founders as far as the solid psychology of how they should approach sales in the understanding that you will get rejections, it is emotional, it is that so that sort of stuff. And I like, I'll go from I'll I'll kick off with I'll kick off with sort of my perspective, and I, I really yep. want to hear it from you. Is that I'm fortunate that my brain deletes all the time that I get rejected. I don't know how it does it. I don't know why it does it, but it just deletes it and then it's on to the next one. Next and, thing. Love and, it. you know, I've, you know, obviously sort of built up a healthy, healthy esteem in a period of time, but really keen to hear on what advice do you give as far as what is the psychology in your approach to, to, to approaching sales? Um, again, a pretty big topic, but um, from um, I think the psychology of sales to a large part comes back to the framework and things like pipeline. If you have a deal that you're sweating on and that deal falls over or, you know, no decision, biggest competitor in the marketplace for all my clients, no decision. Mm, not, true. not buying something else. Yeah. Why do we try and sell This is the same for raising capital, by the way. The, big, right. the biggest, the, the biggest uh, no is someone just not responding to you. Right. 100%. Yeah. Right. No decision. It's just not, it, it's important, but I'm just not going to do it yet. Yeah. I'm not going to do it now. Um, uh, sorry, I've, I've lost the thread. What was the psychology? Uh, the psychology of sales. Yeah. The biggest challenge of not doing something now is if that's your only deal, then then that's where you're at. Mm. That's where you're at. You just don't have the to the the stock, if you like, to replace that. If you do have enough stock to replace it, you can get over that quicker because you're not festing yeah. over that deal that didn't happen because you've got two or three more that hopefully are going to come in at the right time. So if you have the right cadence and the right process from that perspective, I think it enables you to get over it better. Yeah. If it if it it's a hole, it's a huge hole has just appeared in your ability to hit your number for the year, then the psychology is going to be uh, a lot harder. Um, and the sales game is a numbers game. You know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know more many um, gun salespeople that have got a handicap under four in golf. Um, <laughs> an old boss of mine said, if, you, if you're anything under four in golf, don't hire them because they're playing too much golf. Yeah, wow, um, okay. I also knew a very, very good sales guy up in Brisbane who spent a lot of his time prospecting on, the, on the, uh, playing golf, and he was a, 
um, absolute gun in, in, in his particular business. Um, so I think part of the psychology is around um, how you've surrounded yourself to make sure that things are going to fall over. I've, yes. had, I've had the sales director of a very large telcos tell me, don't worry about next quarter, I've got your number covered. Um, and he ended up giving me $3,000. So um, we've all had yeah, the, yeah. the MD shake your hand and say, hey, you've got the business. And then um, in one of the examples, um, 10 trucks broke down overnight and he got a phone call saying, you know, we've got to go and fix these trucks now. Um, uh, the other part of that is, is possibly, you know, I often say I don't really believe there's many bad salespeople. There's just people in the wrong companies. Okay. So if... If you're wired that the rejection's going to, you know, affect your personality too much, then maybe you should customer service or some other area. Yeah, yeah around like customer the, success, right? Or, yeah, yep, the, yep. success, etc. Is mm. is a is an area for you to be in. Um, and a lot of the times, when when I've with an organisation, we've identified that the salesperson isn't the right fit. I then try my best to try and figure out where they would be very good. Yeah, because gotcha. there's got to be there's somewhere. Yeah, if you if sales is your thing then there's somewhere to facilitate that. Yeah. Well, JD, much appreciate your time. This is a fun conversation. I look forward, we've definitely got to do an another one, sort of follow on so. to this because this is such a bit deep area and one that can add so much value to each founder that sort of either masters this area or actually puts a priority in understanding the, the importance and potential of it. Yeah, appreciate the opportunity to chat. Thank you. Cheers. Source the latest deals, engage with new investors, and close your deals sooner with Crisp at CRISP.io.